Welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air, episode 48. 48. 48. Almost 50. I know, we're getting there. 48. Coming to you from our world headquarters in San Francisco, welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air. I'm Victor Gaxiola. And I'm Eli Miniker. And Eli is back. I'm back. Back. How was Europe? Uh, amazing. Everything okay over so there? So beautiful. The weather cooperated the entire time we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Netherlands and Portugal. Mm-hmm. And Portugal is the San Francisco of Europe. Is it? They have a fake Golden Gate <laughs> by the exact same architect. It looks exactly like the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh-huh. They have a ferry building. They have like all sorts of good food. It's built in the hills. It's it really is very similar. Well, some would argue that San Francisco is the uh, fake Portugal. No, uh, no, 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 no. It's the other way around. <laughs> we had the bridge first. They had the bridge second. Oh, okay. So. I've been there. Beautiful country. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you go directly? Did how'd you get from Amsterdam? Did you fly down to, yeah. to Lisbon? Yeah. Okay. And what what took you out there? Was it just for fun? Or? I was out there for ultimate frisbee tournaments. Awesome! Yes, one in Netherlands on the grass, one on a beach in southern Portugal. Mm-hmm. Rough life. How'd you do? How'd the team do? Uh, in Netherlands, we won the Spirit Award, which uh, goes to the team that exhibits the most enjoyment and is the most fun to play for the other teams. It's more <laughs> prestigious than I'm making it sound, actually. <laughs> um, and the beach one was kind of a random grab bag, you know, kind of you, you get it randomly assigned to a team and you play with all new people. So, you know, very international group. And mm-hmm. uh, we did all right. We could have done better. Oh, nice. But we, uh, we were also very international. We had pickup players from Turkey, Belfast, um, Wales, France, mm-hmm. Germany. I'm going to miss one. The United Nations of... yeah. Of mm. ultimate frisbee. They're very, very international group. Yeah. How are they extreme? Are they pretty extreme out there? In Europe, it can be pretty extreme. <laughs> That's a lot awesome. of fouls. A lot, a lot, of, of, fouls. lot of intensity, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you don't look bruised up, though. <laughs> there there are some. I just uh, bruised my up my microphone. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was a great trip, all in all. Good. Really well, it. it's good to have you back. As you know, while you were away, Sanjay filled in on yep. one of the co- as a co-host, and then Joyce did the uh, uh, co-hosting duties uh, for the Ben Henry episode we just yep. released. And so that was always a good time. So it's good to have you back. And while you were away, uh, our local yeah. basketball team did pretty good. Did you know? pretty good. Yeah. So uh, how'd you enjoy that so game? So proud of the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, it was 2 a.m. in Lisbon during the Game 6 final. Um, I l- started live streaming the audio uh, and fell asleep about an hour later at 3 a.m. <laughs> uh, and woke up to check the score and was very proud to see. It sounds like it was probably 40 a- years a great breakfast, friend, right? Since, and yeah, mm-hmm. and there you go. Well, Warriors, NBA champs. I think I sent you a tweet, like, as soon as it happened, you and, it, and you probably received it while you were, you know, fast asleep, but, yeah. uh, you know, congratulations, here we go. Yeah. A lot of celebrations, and, you know, I wanted to point out that uh, last week when I started this show, I said home of, you know, the NBA Finals Championship, right. Golden State Warriors, and I think that we in the Bay Area, and I say Bay Area, take right. ownership of the team. But I didn't mean to say that it's San Francisco only. Right. Oakland had the parade. Yeah. They play in, in the Oakland. East Bay. So For I think, now. 
Yeah, we all kind of hit for, for another for two years. All right. But what I mean is <laughs> the entire Bay Area right. was celebrating it's this a one bay, Yeah, unlike when you have the Raiders and the Niners split, mm-hmm. the Golden State Warriors are a Bay Area team. Mm-hmm. So as you know, my hashtag delusional optimist right. was you know, Niners, you're Giants up next. win, yeah. Yeah. Warriors win. win. Your move, Niners. Yeah, I, Your that move. Is, it is it's pretty a little, delusional. A little delusional, but I always <laughs> say you can't you can't tell anything this early in a season. So yeah. we'll see what happens. That's true. That's true. But. Well, I'm glad to have you back because today we have a very exciting and, yes. uh, interview with uh, someone we've known in the industry for a while. Uh, so Greg Bailey uh, will be joining us, and he'll be uh, dialing in from Des Moines, Iowa, and he's going to talk about something he's doing now that's very exciting. Uh, working with Insured VC. And so uh, without further ado, here is our interview with Greg. Okay, so joining us from Des Moines, Iowa, we've got uh, Greg Bailey. So welcome, Greg. Thank you, Victor. Great to be here today. Yeah, so um, as I said in the introduction, I think you and I met long ago at a Limra social media conference in Boston, and at the time, I think you were either moderating a panel about digital transformation and talking about mobile, social, and web, and so my exposure to you was very early on, and uh, since then, we've kept in touch, and so we're really excited to have you on the show, and even before we get started, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the show and for promoting the show. It's been a great boost to us from an advocacy standpoint that someone with your stature and tenure in the industry was really supportive very early on. So thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome for that. And as I've told you many times, it's easy for me to do that. I've been a big fan of Hearsay Social for many years. And now that you're uh, producing this show, big fan of the show as well. Great, great. So we um, usually when we start the show, we'd love to, to learn a little bit about our guest background just to provide some context. So for those who may not know you, uh, can you share a little bit about your background? Happy to, yeah. Appreciate the question. In fact, I've spent the last 20-plus years in the insurance and financial services industry getting my start uh, 20 years ago as an agent and then eventually as a sales manager. And then after a period of time, I had an opportunity to own and run my own insurance brokerage firm. Uh, early in the 2000s, and then uh, went on a nice little corporate uh, path where held increasingly level, increasing levels of responsibility in the corporate world. Most recently was chief marketing officer for a large insurance company here in West Des Moines, Iowa. And so that's been my 20-year path through our industry. Um, and now I'm excited to uh, kind of take a new twist and turn in my, my career and have an opportunity now to do a few new things, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit, talk a bit about. Yeah, so we're excited to talk about that because, um, as I mentioned, from a visionary standpoint, you were having the conversations as it relates to the advisor, agent, producer community, the wholesale community, basically anybody in financial services, in really looking at how they can leverage technology to further their business, to create much richer relationships with their clients, both at a brand level and an individual level. So tell us a little bit about what you're uh, gonna be working on today. Sure, so recently, just earlier this week, we announced that uh, I've become a new partner with um, a venture fund, what we like to call an angel fund called InsureVC. And uh, InsureVC is six or seven of us that I've previously worked with at other companies, insurance companies, 
and we're focused on providing uh, industry connections, industry expertise, and seed capital to entrepreneurs that are focused on building and innovating and or the, the catchphrase these days is disrupting uh, the insurance industry. <laughs> and so uh, we, like, uh, we like to think of ourselves as coming alongside these entrepreneurs that are passionate and very smart and focused on building new types of technology or customer experiences for the insurance industry and, and providing them some help to get their new products off the ground. So InsureVC is, um, is an exciting path for us. But in addition to that, I'm also focused on uh, doing some what I like to call strategic consulting. So there are a number of companies that I've been in touch with about the potential to do some consulting work for, as well as um, the opportunity to even potentially take a look at a couple of startup concepts that I've been considering. And, um, you know, more to follow in the, in the coming months about that. But um, it's an exciting time for us right now. Startups disrupting the insurance agency. We wouldn't know a whole lot about that, but uh, are you able to give us any uh, kind of examples or, I mean, generally just talk about some type of disruption you're seeing in that space right now? You know, I think there are a few categories that we believe are really, really interesting. Uh, and I'll, you'll hear me phrase it as insure tech. You know, the last decade or so, we've talked a lot about fintech and how uh, fintech has disrupted the banking industry, and in particular payments is a good example of the uh, advent of Square and PayPal many years ago, of course, and right here in Des Moines, Iowa, a uh, startup called Dwala. So those are good examples of how fintech has disrupted banking, but we, we feel like the next decade is going to be all about insure tech and similar disruption in the insurance industry from a number of different fronts. You know, we, we think about sensors as being a significant play in the insurance industry and wearable technology, uh, of course, in um, many different facets of the property and casualty arena. Uh, drones and telematics are going to play a big, big part of disruption, we feel like. Uh, of course, big data, the Internet of Things, and one that I know you guys are focused on and very near and dear to your hearts is uh, what I'll call digital distribution or digital disruption. And so... Those are some broad areas um, that uh, that we're really focused on and very interested uh, to be a part of. Yeah, it's an exciting time, and we just recently had our uh, third annual business social business innovation summit here in San Francisco, where, as you know, we bring together Silicon Valley uh, thought leaders that are really you know get twenty minutes or twenty five minutes to get up on stage and really talk about their industries in a TED like fashion. And a lot of the conversation, the buzzwords here, I think, you know, Elon and I joke around. I think if you pick up a rock here in San Francisco and you were to chuck it out the window, the first thing the person's going to say when the rock hits them in the head is either innovation or disruption. Those are the buzzwords. That's what everybody's talking about. But the Innovation Summit really was built around this whole idea of challenging the industry to start thinking differently because the communications, the digital technology, the transformation and the evolution that's taking place and how people are adopting to these digital tools at a consumer level are fast outpacing the industry's ability to catch up. And so having worked in the industry, I was just curious, you know, what, what do you think it's going to take for the industry to catch up uh, so that it starts meeting these customer expectations and demands? Yeah, I would like to think that I could say that, you know, the industry is going to be able to keep up and adapt and change fast enough from the inside out. I think the fact of the matter is that's likely not going to be the case. 
I think that it's going to be an outside in, just like we've seen uh, in, a, in a lot of outmoded industries, a lot of very mature, stodgy, outmoded industries. And banking is a good example of this, like I've talked about. Of course, Uber uh, has been the classic example in the transportation and logistics industry. Um, you know, I would stress that I think we are um, in the very early innings of what I would call large-scale industry transformation and change. And I think we all have talked a lot about that, but I truly believe that five years from now, the industry is going to look quite a bit different than it does today. And certainly 10 years from now, I think we won't recognize what our industry looks like in the insurance uh, particular space. You know, I think that really, as you just indicated, consumers deserve better. They expect better than what they're getting right now in terms of customer experience. And the fact of the matter is, we believe that, I, I truly believe that the consumers expect and are demanding more and more a much more transparent industry. Mm-hmm. And we see that in a lot of different facets. And so transparency is going to play a big, big part of how uh, the unbundling or the disruption or the innovation takes place uh, throughout the insurance industry. I'll give you a couple of quick examples of these. Mm-hmm. These aren't necessarily seed round types of startups or early stage startups, but they're startups that are that are what I'll call post-seed. And, you know, examples would be uh, a startup called Zenefits. And Zenefits is having tremendous success and traction um, in their space of providing uh, their software as a service model to businesses to administer their benefits and HR admin systems and, um, and having a tremendous amount of traction with small, what I'll call small to mid-sized businesses taking on their platform you know, Coverhound is another good example. A um, couple of others we're having some conversations with is uh, Policy Genius out of Brooklyn, New York, and then another uh, startup called Melius out of, out of Boston, Massachusetts. And so those are examples that people can look up and look into to say, well, what are we seeing that would be good examples of startups that from, again, the outside in, we feel like are going to, over time, over the next few years, begin to disrupt enforce insurance companies hand a bit to uh to adapt and to to change to the to the times you know it's interesting those those, uh the startups that you just brought up there you know they all kind of to some extent focus around bringing the individual pieces together into one simple solution for example i'll use zenefits you know it's a human resources tool brings in all the individual pieces of the human resources uh, person would use and puts it in one cloud-based solution. Do you think that the insurance kind of uh, industry really needs something like that where all the pieces they use are brought together in one space, or do you think that already exists? Well, let's think about it. So I, my, my philosophy and my thinking on this is, is that a lot of the firms and when people hear disruption – they think, oh, my gosh, we're going to be put out of business. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's entirely the case. Mm-hmm. A lot of these startups are, in fact, building products and solutions that will enhance the customer experience. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about it in a way where benefits, I would agree, is going direct out to the marketplace and trying to cut out a middleman, there are a lot of similar companies that are and startups that are focused on aligning alongside agents, advisors, planners, et cetera, to make the customer experience much richer and much more technologically savvy. And so it it actually enhances the ability and the value prop of 
whether it's an insurance company, a wealth manager, an agent, an advisor, uh, in that customer experience that they're able to deliver. So um, I don't think it's it's got to be either or. I think there is a place in the midst of all of this that these startups can bring new types of experiences and products and technology to the industry uh, to make that customer experience better. And at the end of the day, that's what I feel like the customer is demanding mm-hmm. is a better, more transparent experience. And I would agree. And, w- and one of the things that I found uh, most fascinating from the Innovation Summit, Greg, and I'll share with you, and we actually spoke about this at the podcast that was recapping and reviewing the actual event, was that it doesn't necessarily take a whole lot of capital for some of these startups to really start making an impact. And so the takeaway for me, and I was hoping that this message was getting across to the to the more legacy and established insurance carriers and wealth management and asset management companies that were in attendance was they have deeper pockets pockets they have a lot more access to capital sometimes within their organization that if they were to really earmark some of those funds or or at least looking at ways of of bringing in this new technology or new ways of thinking you know what kind of an impact could they have overall to the industry uh, so i found that really fascinating i don't know what your thoughts are as far as that the barriers to entry and being able to make an immediate impact are not as great as they used to be. So absolutely, and it's technology that's made that case, right? I mean, it's the, the simple fact that software as a service in a big, big way has democratized the entire ability for an individual to have an idea and put a product together, a technology product together that has a meaningful impact on the end user. And so, I think you'll start to see, and you're, we're, already, we're already seeing this in large part, where insurance companies are focused on looking forward. Now, they've also got to keep one, one strong eye on their core business and core operation, and we know that, and that's what we focus on, on a lot. But mm-hmm. now that we're looking at the venture capital space and that we've created an angel fund in InsureVC, um, you know, we're also starting to have a lot of conversations with what we'd like to call corporate venture funds. And so examples of these in the insurance space uh, would be anyone from Access Strategic Ventures to American Family Ventures to uh, Transamerica recently created a new venture fund. Uh, even firms like Mass Mutual has a venture fund. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Northwestern Mutual's recent announcement of their acquisition of LearnVest is another great example of, mm-hmm. of this type of innovation that can take place. Um, and a lot of these well-known brands in our industry, in the insurance industry, are starting to set up these third-party uh, venture capital funds, or what I like to call corporate funds, uh, to invest in startups and to come alongside them so that, A, I think the insurance companies can learn a lot, but B, they've got that first uh, first access point or first uh, uh, ability to see what is going on in the startup world um, firsthand. So I think that's an interesting dynamic that we've seen come about in the last couple of years and uh, having a lot of success. Yeah, and it's it's exciting development that we've seen. We're very familiar with you know all the organizations that you outlined there, and it's it is exciting how they're taking that you know, to the next step and bringing in this technology into their uh, business and, and their offering for their customers. So what role do you see InsureVC being part of that process? Yeah, great question. And InsureVC, we've created it to provide, as I mentioned earlier, each of us partners in the fund have deep, deep insurance experience in different capacities. So mine being more life and financial services focused or life, health, annuities, 
other partners have property and casualty expertise, uh, auto home, commercial insurance, credit insurance, and so forth. And we're focused on providing three things. We're focused on providing these entrepreneurs and startups, early seed round types of startups, our industry connections, our what, what we like to call our domain expertise in the insurance industry, and uh, seed capital as well. And, you know, so we're focused on those finding those types of startups in the deal flow, as they say, in the industry, um, to have those types of discussions. Earlier this morning, I was on a, a conference call with the CEO and co-founder of a startup here, out here in the Midwest who is focused on helping property and casualty insurance companies reduce their claims experience mm-hmm. by uh, preempting uh, things like water pipe bursts and um, temperature drops and all these different things from like freezing temperatures and and even to the extent where their devices they're manufacturing now are helping to control noise levels in places like hospitals for healthcare reimbursements and uh, apartment complexes and different places like that. So uh, really interesting types of conversations and a lot of different types of backgrounds and disciplines of all these people. But um, InsureVC is trying to find those types of passionate and really smart entrepreneurs and startups that have assimilated a, a fantastic team and brought together a great team of people um, where they're really, really focused and dedicated to solving a big problem for the insurance industry. And third, that um, we believe have a fantastic plan in place and are executing on that plan and will um, be able to demonstrate some type of traction coming forward in their plan. You know, a lot of people would say, really, is InsureTech that big of a space? Well, the reality of it is our numbers tell us that the U.S. insurance industry alone is roughly a $2 trillion industry. So it's a massive opportunity mm-hmm. when you think of a couple of trillion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of folks uh, from coast to coast and around the world, for that matter, that are focused on it right now. And we just hope to be a part of that ecosystem uh, for, from InsureVC standpoint, we want to be a part of that ecosystem to help help deliver this type of change. Wow, this is all extremely interesting. I'm sure that the uh, insurance executives would love to learn more about how they can possibly get involved to bring in this technology and bring in this thought leadership. So how could they do that, Greg? Sure. Well, InsureVC, we're focused on making these investments in startups, as I've indicated, and accredited investors from around the world can participate or what I like to call co-invest alongside of us on a fairly new platform online called AngelList. And that's at angel.co. And so they can find InsureVC on AngelList and can participate by what we like to call backing our fund, backing InsureVC, where they would in fact co-invest alongside of us. And so uh, if anyone has questions specific to that, they can simply drop me an email at Gregory at insurevc.com, and I'll be happy to answer any additional questions about that, or they can simply find us online uh, on AngelList, which is angel.co. And there's also, I'm guessing, some social profiles. Do you have a Twitter if they wanted to follow uh, InsurVC? Absolutely. So we are on the Twitter, as they say, at (laughs) InsurVC. You can go on the line. That's right. That's right. We're also on LinkedIn, so they can search for us on LinkedIn and find our LinkedIn page there as well. Awesome. So, Greg, obviously this uh, industry, you know, is always uh, ever evolving and in need of, you know, leaders to kind of step up and 
teach to the younger generations and help them along and, you know, show them where the, uh, the industry is evolving into and, and help them find that path. How, how do you kind of navigate that or how are you helping to push that along? Well, it's a good point you make. And, um, and a lot of stodgy, mature industries, not just insurance, but a lot of different industries like ours, um, you know, there's a lot of tenure. And that's a great thing to have is a lot of institutional knowledge um, and very, very important to have that institutional knowledge. But at the same time, the smartest companies that we see are adapting and adopting, maybe is the better word, this new wave of thinking. And whether that's from the outside in or whether they're developing that internally in their, amidst their own ranks, either way works. But most we see are going to have to adapt by bringing in that type of talent and that new wave of thinking into what the future customer experience is going to look like uh, by bringing folks in from the outside, whether that can be from a consultant perspective, whether that be by engaging in startups uh, that are focused on building for this industry could be another way of doing that. You know, that uh, as I think we can all agree, the average age of a lot of these founders of these startups are quite young, uh, much younger than me, in fact. So, um, so yeah, so that's, those are both good ways of doing that. Now, I recently participated in uh, something that um, I think will help bring this type of change to the insurance industry. Here in Des Moines recently, um, the world's first ever global insurance accelerator uh, kicked off. And what that is, is an accelerator that uh, takes startup businesses from simply an idea in some cases, uh, very, very nascent and early stage startups from literally nothing to a market-ready startup to pitch a product into the marketplace uh, within a 100-day period of time. And so the founders of these startups all move into Des Moines if they're not from here. And we only had one of the six startups that participated in this recent accelerator uh, that was actually from here in Des Moines. The other five participants were from all over the world, as far away as Berlin, Germany, and Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and then uh, just down the highway a couple of hours in Omaha was another example, another uh, firm from San Jose, California, out near you guys in the Bay Area. And so six startups participated here in Des Moines over a 100-day period, uh, period of time to be able to build a product, in a lot of cases a technology product, that they would then ultimately sell to various insurance companies as a, providing a better customer experience or, in some cases, um, a product that's a big data product that would help minimize litigation risk for insurance companies. And so just a lot of different facets and, and ways about uh, these startups building for the insurance industry. My role in all of that was as a mentor to these startups. So as an individual that had 20 years experience in the insurance industry, I felt like I could bring some of the know-how about how corporate America and the insurance industry works to these uh, startups that have never had any experience in the insurance industry in a, in a lot of cases. And at the same time, provide them some insights, connections, and expertise from the insurance industry mm -hmm. uh, to be able to get their products into the market. And so I had a, the good fortune of mentoring three of the startups out of the six that participated between February and the end of May. Uh, that all culminated then at the end of May where they had their pitch day or what, what they call their demo day, where they actually pitched their product that they had built. Uh, in front of what we call the Global Insurance Symposium. And that's a, about a two-day uh, symposium that's held here in downtown Des Moines in late May. 
And uh, it was a fantastic conference. A lot of insurance company executives, over 400 insurance company executives from around the world were here and, uh, and were in the audience when these six startups pitched their new ideas that they wanted to bring into the market. So it was a fascinating uh, type of experience. I was, I was really uh, fortunate to have the, the opportunity to be a part of that. Well, it sounds like a, a, an outstanding program. And, and my understanding, it's not limited to just the mentorship, but um, in learning a little bit more about it, they do provide some seed money and funding, as well as the infra- infrastructure as far as office space. So really fostering these new ideas, and it's global, so it's not limited just to the U.S. It does require individuals to come to Des Moines, though, right, and, and, and really want to work in that environment where you're almost in this incubator of ideas and, and growth. That's exactly right. So it's exactly right. It's kind of uh, it's a bit like uh, a lot of accelerator programs. It's built based off the Techstars model, which Techstars is a very well-known and, and one of the uh, first accelerator programs here in the U.S. And uh, we were really fortunate to have a few different insurance companies come together here in the Des Moines metro area that each committed capital uh, to start the accelerator and to then um, have the ability that once a startup was uh, accepted into the accelerator to move here to Des Moines and to live here and to work on their business. Uh, that they, in fact, will get seed capital from the accelerator in exchange for a small equity percentage in their business, in their, in their new startup. And so it's a real win-win for not just the local insurance community here in Des Moines, but the much larger global insurance industry from the benefit that these startups will provide over the coming years as they grow. So, yeah, it's a really interesting uh, proposition. We're pretty fortunate that we feel like right here in Des Moines, Iowa, in the heart of the Midwest, that we've put this together. And um, now then, just in the last week or so, I learned that the second insurance-focused accelerator is starting up uh, out of London, no less. And so mm. now I guess Des Moines got something in common with, uh, with London. Wow, that's exciting. Well, if you'd like to learn more about the Global Insurance Accelerator program, you can go to their website. It's globalinsuranceaccelerator.com. We'll include a link also to the show notes for this podcast. But I'm excited about what, what could come out of that. You know, you bring these very talented people in this concentrated space and you give them the resources for them to be able to develop their ideas. But more than that, it's the mentorship as well as the evaluation, you know, provide that yeah. direct feedback from industry thought leaders to say, hey, this, this is a good idea. This needs, you know, a little bit more work. That's right. That's right. And the connections are invaluable as well. Oftentimes as a uh, founder of a startup, trying to build something for an industry that you don't come from, the connections can be invaluable um, in those relationships. So that's a key part of it as well. And I think you see that with pretty much, you know, you look at every major successful startup, especially, you know, us coming from the Bay Area where we see so many of them. You look at them and you say, you know, each one of them started with someone who mentored them into how to make this work, someone with more knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they had the, the bright spark idea, but then you need someone who's going to help you along. You can't do it on your own, especially, like you said, if you don't fully understand the space. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point and very important uh, element, I think. The, the two now, soon to be two insurance accelerators, are going to be a, another key component of this ecosystem that I keep referring to uh, as, as time goes by to provide a specific focus for startups that want to build and help um, change the future of what the insurance industry is going to be about. (music) 
So this August, we're real excited because for the first time, I think, in, in a long time, and I think, Greg, you could probably tell me more, the Limra Social Media Conference for Financial Services is taking place here in our hometown of San Francisco. The last couple of years, yep. I think it's been out in Boston, which is where we met long ago. But I understand you're going to be speaking, so could you share a little bit about, uh, maybe give us a little preview of what, what to expect with your visit? Yeah, glad to. I'm really excited to be asked to speak by uh, Limra this year, and I had an opportunity to speak at the Limmer Distribution Conference back in February, as you let off with the show, mentioning. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so it's really fun to be back in San Francisco in a couple of months in August to, um, to have an opportunity to share some additional thoughts with that audience. And I hope a lot of your listeners will make their way out to San Francisco in the third week of August to, uh, to the conference. But, um, you know, the same themes that I've shared with you already today will be some of the themes that I'll be exploring in that in the talk in my time that I've got with, with that audience. But um, there are four things that specifically I'll, I'll want to hone in on, I think, and those are mobile technology, social technology, and in particular the intersection of those two elements I think is really, really interesting and really important for our industry to create uh, fantastic customer experiences around mobile and social and the intersection of those two. And then the other two that we're really focused on, and, and I'd like to share a few thoughts on, are big data and uh, the introduction of big data and, and just how that works in a social uh, capacity, and then wearable tech. And I think wearable tech, we're only seeing the very, very early stages of. You know, John Hancock here just very recently introduced uh, their Vitality program, which incorporates the use of a Fitbit uh, that when someone buys their insurance product, they give them a Fitbit. And so I think that's a, just a very, very early stage element of what we're to see to come uh, with sensors and wearable technology. Uh, you know, when I spoke a few months ago in Orlando at a LIMRA conference, I talked a little bit about a Bay Area uh, startup called Circadia Health. Mm -hmm. And Circadia Health has built a wearable device called the IT Bra, of all things. <laughs> And it is a, it's a wearable device that helps women detect breast cancer at a much, much earlier stage and in the comfort of, of their own home rather than having to get a mammogram. Oh, and wow. so these types of things are going to be fantastic um, at helping change our industry, but at the same time help, uh, help everyday Americans and everyday consumers around the world to live better. So very exciting time. Those are just kind of high-level thoughts off the top of my head right now, but those are some different areas I'm likely to explore a little bit further. Yeah, it's gonna. it looks like a real exciting agenda, so I do encourage those that do listen. This is probably one of the highlights of our year. The Limer Social uh, Media Conference for Financial Services always brings great speakers, great subject matter, a lot of networking. I just uh, was looking at the agenda here. I noticed that you'll be sharing the stage with uh, Chris Brogan, who I've been following for quite some time. So some heavy hitters coming out, Greg. Yeah, I appreciate that. I had the chance just in passing to meet Chris um, a few months ago. I attended a conference in San Diego uh, called Social Media Marketing World and uh, had the chance. He's a fantastic guy and, and, and an absolute thought leader. He's going to be an exciting guy that people won't want to miss uh, hearing him speak as well. Well, we look forward to having you here in our hometown of San Francisco. We are uh, looking forward to having a number of our customers in the Bay Area in August. And uh, we're real excited just to have all these people here in San Francisco. Yeah, it sounds great. 
Well, thank you so much, Greg. It's been a great conversation. Really looking forward to having you here in San Francisco and look forward to, uh, to your presentation and continuing the conversation about where we think InsureTech is going. And uh, on behalf of myself and everyone here at Here's the Social, we want to thank you for being on the show. And so before we let you go, though, one last time, if people wanted to learn more about you and uh, what you're working on, what would be the best way for them to find you? Yeah, folks can find me on the web at gregorybailey.com is my website, my blog, uh, with contact information there as well, or as I mentioned earlier, um, InsureVC topics, if folks are interested in chatting about that. They can drop me an email at gregory at insurevc.com. And likewise, I'm on the Twitter, as they say, and that's at dbaileyco. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Greg, for your time today, and we look forward to seeing you in San Francisco. Thanks so much, Greg. Thank you. Have a great day. So that was our interview with Greg Bailey. Uh, exciting stuff. Very, yeah. This whole insure tech, I'm really, really looking forward to his presentation at the Limer Social Media Conference in August. And we will be there in full force. Definitely. Already and, starting uh, to plan. Yeah, we're already planning for that. So be on the lookout. Obviously, we'll be tweeting away during the event and kind of gearing up for it. So that takes place on August uh, 19th. I think through the 22nd or so. So it's that midweek of August. And we're, we have a very strong relationship with the folks at Limra. As you know, Stephen Selby was, I think, our second interview on the podcast. Yes. If you go to episode, I think, three. Yeah. So very early on. So we're looking forward to having not only the entire Limra organization being here, but obviously all the different member companies, our clients, and uh, people who just want to talk about what's happening in, in digital technology and financial services and social media. But uh, you know, a couple takeaways from our conversation with with Greg was I was really taken aback by you know this continuing conversation that that we've been having from the Innovation Summit and you know it's a conversation that took place well before that. But it's just this whole idea of disruption and finding new innovative ways to kind of challenge the industry and in moving forward. And I really appreciate, like I said early on in the broadcast, uh, Greg has been someone that very early on has been listening to the show. He was promoting the show. He talked about right. the Limer Distribution Conference in Florida. We actually spoke to it up on stage. And so it was a real thrill to finally get him on the, sh on the show. So Greg, thank you so much for both supporting the show and for being on the show. Yes. Uh, um, one other thing, I love this accelerator program. I would yeah. love to see more of that in financial services. Yeah, and you know, it's really, like he talked about, and like you know, we, we just discussed, it's, it's so crucial for up and coming uh, startups to have someone to kind of lead them down their way because, you know, the spark is only, you know, one part of it, but you know, how do you grow from there? How do you take the bigger step? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, really you can point to every major successful startup and say, Oh, here was the person, here's the, you know, uh, mentor who stepped in and, and helped them accelerate faster and build to what they are now. Oh, I think it's an outstanding program. And like I said, we'll, we'll add the uh, link to the show notes to take a look at it. And hopefully we'll see more of that in other locations. But uh, I'm also curious to see, you know, how some of these ideas are sparked, you know, in this kind of incubator, in this accelerator program that they've got based in Des Moines. That's very specific, I guess, in the insurance world. Uh, but I'm sure applications throughout the entire financial services right. industry. Uh, you know what this means. I believe I remember. I yeah, you remember it's you were gone that long, but it's time for Ronnie Walk. 
So our good friend Ronnie has checked in. He continues to be walking through the state of Kansas. It's it's a pretty wide state, I guess. Yes. Yeah, because he's been spending quite a bit of time there. But I've got um, I got the map with me right Very here. Very nice. And then tracking his progress. So I think the last time we checked in with Ronnie, he had just uh, left Kansas City. It was working his way westward. So hashtag west, always west. He was in Manhattan, Kansas. And then... Um, He's crossed the massive uh, metropolis of Riley, Clay Center, Concordia, Jamestown, Moncado, I hope I said that right, Phillipsburg, Norton, and then this last check-in, he was in Overland, Kansas. Wow. Uh, fast approaching the state of Colorado. Uh, so we're really excited about the progress that he's making. The other thing that I'll note, which uh, he posted on Facebook that I was really excited for, is uh, he finally got himself some really good Mexican food. Nice. So, yeah. So I'm guessing he wasn't finding it. That's he how you found know it. you're getting west. You know you're getting yeah. west when that Mexican food, the burritos start getting oh, yeah. better and the frijoles and all that good stuff. Burrito. So, Ronnie, hashtag west, always west. We're, we continue to, to be pulling for you. Can't wait to get you across the continental divide in Colorado yeah. and then start uh, working your way towards the Pacific Ocean. So... We'll have yeah. to bring him back in for a special uh, Oh, you know we back. will. Definitely. You know, we're going to dedicate a whole show, probably a whole series of shows, just to find out about all his adventures walking across America. So that is, uh, that is our update, and hopefully you will continue following Ron. Ronnie Wild. Okay, so before we uh, finish off with the show, um, it's been a while. So, uh, Eli, you want to check the mailbag? Checking... No mail in the mailbag. No mail. Oh, that's too bad. I was kind of hoping we might get at least one letter. Nope. Nothing no, in no there emails. right now. What's but... this? Who's this? I have a question. Ah, <laughs> oh, my God. We got a, a question. A live question. A live a question live... from, and you are? Hi, Mika. Hi, Mika. I think you did ask the first question, right? Yes. About the grilled cheese and the taco. Yes, the much, I did ask that question. You have a question disputed. that's going to top? The grilled Question. cheese and taco, that was a disputed one, right? Yeah. We debated that one for you a know, while. You know, I brought that up with multiple people and had this argument now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just <laughs> okay. It's... So what's your question, Mika? So my question for listeners and who have been listening, if you don't remember, Eli <laughs> said he had gone to shark camp, so I wanted to learn more about that and how gotcha. that experience was. <laughs> All right. That's a oh, good question. Oh, boy. Let's see. So this was back in sixth grade, seventh grade, somewhere around there. And uh, I went to a shark camp in Long Beach. It was two weeks long. And essentially, we stayed on board a decommissioned uh, naval battle cruiser in the barracks. Wow. Um, and we went out on a bunch of different boats and we learned from like shark experts and how stuff. And we tracked a shark one we like chummed for and caught a shark, put a small tracker in it, and tracked its night feeding habits one night. Um, we got to dive in shark cages with hammerheads uh, and just do regular snorkeling with little sharks, tiger sharks, and, you know, little kind of uh, smaller ones as well. Never saw a great white. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was a camp through uh, a group called CTY, uh, Center for Talented Youth. It was, uh, man, I don't remember all the details. It was it was a really enjoyable You experience. remember a lot of details. Do I remember a lot of details? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just those two main ones. We definitely watched Jaws. I mean, that was important. Do you want to go to Shark Camp? Shark yeah, I camp? wouldn't mind. Really? You know, I should yes. look it up. I should see if it's still around. I'm sure I can figure it out. Yeah. Well, for those of you who may not know this, 
the the person who came and asked the question. <laughs> this is my daughter Mika, and she's out Hi. for summer break. Welcome, uh, Mika. She's a singer artist in her own right, and I wanted to point this out. I don't think I've ever shared this on the show. Yeah. But some of the musical interludes, uh, the the keyboard interludes, the best ones. that's my daughter Mika on the keyboard. Yep, yep. The drumming interludes, that's our son Noah. So I've got the whole family involved in the production yep. of this show, and so I wanted to say thank you. You know, but they don't come cheap. They do expect to be paid for right, this. Right. Of course. So, yeah. So yeah. they, uh, they they make a little cash on I the like side. I like to get my money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do, we do. So thanks, you Mika, for your question. Or? Thank you. <laughs> she, she, yeah, I think yeah. I'll take on that responsibility. Oh, see? Yeah. So Mika, thanks for coming in and thanks for asking your questions. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay, so that is the conclusion of episode 48. We're uh, so excited about having Greg on the show. And obviously, this uh, event, the social media conference that uh, Limmer's putting together in August, but also. Eli, we've got a very special episode 5-0 coming up. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the month of July, and uh, we're real excited about that. We've got a, a, a guest, I guess, speaker, guest. Uh, uh, keep it a secret, I guess. Uh, I think we keep it a secret. Larger than life, he'll come out. And, Definitely. Uh, he, he'll come out and yeah. uh, share some thoughts on uh, social media and financial services and digital transformation. So we look forward to that show. Uh, we want to thank everybody for continuing to uh, to listen to the show following along on Twitter using hashtag HSOnAir, and also following our Facebook page. And once again, um, Eli, you want to share the email in case people want to ask their questions. Or they can always come like Mika did and ask in yeah. person. But uh, If you want to find our offices and just burst in on us <laughs> while we're recording, we, yeah. we will accept that as well. we'll yeah, we'll take um, that. And you can, but it's far easier. You can do it from the comfort of your own chair if you just email onair at hearsaycorp.com. Any questions for uh, our guests? past, present, or future, or any questions about sharks and shark camps. Sounds like fun. So, Eli, thank you so much for uh, coming back. And yeah. it sounds like I had a good time. It was good to have you back on the show. And so, thank you all for listening. We look forward to uh, seeing you next week. Cheers. So, I'm Victor Gaxiola. And I'm Eli Miniker. Thanks again. Right, guys, time for a quick lightning round uh, with our special guest, Mika. Ready? Yep. Just answer as quickly as possible. Question okay. one. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles. House in the mountains or house at the beach? Beach. Uh, cold with a blanket or hot with a fan? Cold with a blanket. Giants or A's? Giants. And rocking her giant sweatshirt right now. Yep. <laughs> it would have been hilarious. That's kind of an easy one, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, most important, cage with a bear or tank with a shark? Probably with a bear. Mm. I don't know why, but that one just seems safer than a shark. <laughs> You're not I always go with shark. Sharks are far safer to me. I go with the bear. Bears are so much more I'll make dangerous. a friend with it. <laughs> That's what Noah said. Feed it what, I'll feed it honey. That's what people keep saying. You didn't grow up around it. I'll I'm give it a you. hug. This guy's your bus experience. safety videos can include how, what to do I'll when the bear comes to your bus stop. Like, no one has a shark safety video as a four-year-old. Bears are so dangerous. <laughs> he speaks of experience. Depends on... 
what kind of bear? It does. Panda we're talking bear? koala or panda, no, panda. I think you're going to be all right. I was thinking more like Weenie the Pooh. Yeah. That's not a real bear. <laughs> it is to some it people. It could be. Fair enough. <laughs> Who knows? 